All right, so you ready to record some crap? Yep. I just took my hands under my armpits. <laughs> yeah, so this will be our weird... Uh, yeah, a lot of times I don't necessarily remember, obviously, what the weather and stuff was like when we do these random podcasts, but we might remember this one, The Carol Burnett Show, because this is uh, literally like a, a metro exodus apocalypse outside. It's yeah, deep insane. freeze. We're down to, uh, with the wind chill, minus 47, some places in New Brunswick. Yeah, which even if you're uh, an American with your wacky Fahrenheit, that's, this is the one time you can understand what we're talking about, because somewhere around 41 or 42 the two scales are the same so you still you still know what we mean it's minus 40 no matter how you measure it which is fucking crazy and we're sitting in a room that is supposed to be warm but it isn't it's freezing gonna put our hands under our armpits keep them warm yeah and wear our coats but yeah this week uh carol burnett so uh carol burnett's one of those shows that i haven't seen it since i was a kid and it comes up a lot because it's a super famous show one of these classics of comedy and i'd always kind of sagely nod along like ah yes carol burnett definitely one of the classics but then once it's time to kind of revisit it to go back and look at it i kind of had to realize like you know i actually haven't seen it since i was a kid so not since like the 80s i honestly don't remember it that well i'm sure you remember carol burnett far better than i do oh absolutely in fact i i watch it all the time when, right? I, when i can see it when when it's on repeat so yeah i think it's a wonderful show so i guess my first question because uh in my memory it was just a sketch show so i was quite surprised when i went to grab some episodes that these are an hour long and have it's a variety show it has all this singing yeah, it's a variety show and it's it's a mix of probably three or four sketches and they're interspersed with um, famous people of the day usually singers sometimes dancers but the, but she had a dancing crew also that danced to the songs that people sang Right. I mean, I see this is where this is a bit of a trick memory in a way where it's like I was right and I was wrong. Because I was going to ask, is that how you mainly remember it? You mainly remember it as an hour long variety show with singers and dancing? Oh, yeah. Because I didn't. And I thought I just was remembering wrong. But that's the first thing I found when I started looking it up. So Carol Burnett Show ran on CBS from 1967 to 1978, 11 seasons, 279 episodes. But I was born in 1979, and after the original run ended, it was repackaged as a half-hour series, which has been syndicated more or less continuously. So all of the episodes I saw were only half an hour, with all the singing and the dancers cut out, because that's how it's repeated. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> so any of the original Carol Burnett run that you saw were the hour-long ones, but probably if you caught it in reruns after that, you probably didn't see those hour-long ones. You saw the cut-down half-hour version. So, so both memories were correct, basically. <laughs> oh my goodness, well, what a day. Yeah, isn't that interesting, though? Because I just thought, like, wow, I really don't remember that show. And then I realized, like, oh, I do. It's just I'm remembering the reruns. Uh, yeah, because there were people on there who were big names of the day, like uh, Bernadette Peters, uh, Roberta Flack, um, the Carpenters, I think, were on Carol Burnett. Uh, and oftentimes what she would do in the hour-long ones is the stars who were famous singers, for example, um, would also be incorporated into the skits. So they didn't just come on the show and sing a song and then they're gone. Most of them, yeah, she put them right into the skits, too. Right. But what I was thinking is, I'll get into some more details that I dug up about the history of The Carol Burnett Show. 
but I was just going to grab two episodes. At first I did the traditional first and last episode. But yeah, all of this singing and stuff, like, you know, we haven't done a lot of variety shows, but we've done some. And I feel like it was probably applicable to TV at the time. But to go back, there's 0% chance that I care about any of the singing and dancing. I just probably don't care. Probably not, because it would be very dated, and it would have been people who were big radio, mostly radio stars of the day, and their hit song would, be, would have been on that show. Right. And also, just due to the fact that they did repackage it as a half-hour show with a lot of that stuff taken out, they, I think, realized that too. That was a product of the 70s. That's not a, a format that was... And it's not how I ever experienced The Carol Burnett Show. So instead, what I did is I picked four episodes. There is the first one, but then I picked some from the middle runs, that some of the more famous sketches and stuff. And I feel like what we should do is watch double the number of episodes, but skip the songs, because I don't want to sit through well, them. Well, all right. So, all right. I'm sure I would appreciate the songs, but that's all right. I'll, well, give, you, I'll well, give you that. Well, we can see who it is, but if it's just some random ass, because especially the 70s, were the worst decade for pop music, hands down. Like, the schmaltziest, the the softest, the worst. <laughs> so, I mean, we'll see. You know, if it's some amazing person, like, oh, wow, great, I love that song, we'll listen to it. But if it's just some 70s yeah, okay. thing that no one remembers... All right, fair enough. If I want to hear those songs, I can always go and hear them at some other source. And I mean, yeah, like, if we watched the full episodes, because there's also kind of... Carol does a little Q&A with the audience at the start that they also cut out. I mean, if we watch all that stuff, it's going to be four hours of the Carol Burnett show, where it could be two hours of the sketches, the stuff everyone remembers and that everyone okay. would prefer to see. So, I mean, you know, doesn't that make sense? Yeah, sure it does. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, that's, I mean, you say that now, but I mean, I'm sure hour three and you were still just listening to these these schmaltzy 70s songs, you're not going to have fun either. <laughs> all right, I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on it. <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right, so looking up some Carol Burnett stuff. So uh, her actual history, she was one of the very first women to really make a, a splash in TV. By 1967, Burnett had been a popular veteran of television for 12 years, having made her first appearance in 1955 on the Paul Winchell Show. You ever heard of that show? Mm -hmm. Yep, I've okay. heard of, yep. And uh, this was a weird part. I didn't dig too deep into this because it's just studio politics of the time, but they didn't explain this very well in the wiki entry where Carol Burnett had this 10-year deal with CBS and they didn't want to give her a variety show because it was considered a man's genre, which talk about old school silly nonsense, right? Like maybe a Western is a man's genre or, you know, a sports talk analysis. Maybe you'd call that a man's genre. How in God's name is a variety show a man's well, genre? Well, you had always done, had men doing it though. And there were an incredible amount of men who had shows but there were any number and you know when i think back yeah they probably they were all men right but there's really no logic to that like i do well, think except it was at the time you know women trying to break into anything in the 50s and the 60s was it was incredibly hard and i have nothing but full respect for any woman that was out there and did it and accomplished it because it was a man's world and yeah and it's one of those things like i'm willing to uh you know, meet the past halfway sometimes. Like if you're if you want to say, 
a war drama's a men's genre and uh guiding light is a women's genre it's like okay i see where the i can see why you would say that but variety show that's purely yeah that's just that's sexist yeah it's just dumb no it makes no sense it. so again the details of this are hazy but i guess because burnett had this 10-year deal and in her contract she was kind of you know she could kind of strong arm her way onto tv for like specials i think it was something like she had like 30 over the 10 years like 30 specials or something that she was contractually set to do so she basically kind of kept pushing and forced it's like instead of these 30 specials or whatever just give me a dang variety show cbs and she pushed hard enough that somehow she made that happen again the details i i don't know very scant she does though apparently have a uh, a memoir she wrote and uh narrated that is probably pretty interesting so if you want to know more as i, I mean i'm going to try to maybe dig it up because i would like to know more but the article i read was uh, i didn't understand how she made this happen but somehow she did so she was one of the very first women to have her own variety show and then again as is often the case these dumbass bigwigs that are just like that's how it's always been done somebody forces them to do something else and it became this super popular long-running variety show that not only established Burnett as a television superstar, but also made her supporting cast household names, and it was nominated for 70 Emmys and won wow. 25 times. Wow. Yeah. Well, the thing is, anybody who watches any numbers of these, you can see Carol Burnett is so talented. Like, she can play any number of roles, whereas if you think back to the men of the day who were doing that, Red Skelton, for example, he played different roles, but he always played Red Skelton. Right. Um, and anybody else like that, too, if you go and look at them, they always played themselves. They played different roles, but it was themselves. When Carol Burnett plays these parts, like, she really takes them on. She is that character. Extremely talented. And the people that she had with her, that she, her supporting cast, equally, equally talented. So speaking of, the main cast... Heard the wind. Heard the wind rattle the windows. The main cast included... So let's see if you remember all these people. There's only five of them, but Vicki Lawrence. Oh, yes. Vicki Lawrence, what I remember about her, in a lot of things, she plays uh, Carol's, well, she plays her mother in Mama, and she plays, Car she plays Carol's daughter in a lot of things. And amazingly, she looks like Carol. They're not related at all, but they look enough alike that they could be sisters. And Vicki Lawrence, what I remember about her, I think she was just some girl out of high school. Yeah. And she, I don't know how she ended up auditioning, but I, they must have seen the likeness between believe, her and Carol. And I believe the story I read, because I didn't write it down, but I think she must be the one that uh, wrote Carol a letter. She was a, a singer, I believe, and yeah, she was still in like high school or something, but wrote a letter saying how my friends all say how much I look like you. And then they brought her onto the show and they did these uh, Carol and Sis sketches that later when they started doing Mama's Family, that sort of replaced. But it was Carol and her little sister sketches because this person looked yeah, so much. Yeah, I vaguely remember. Yeah, those little sister sketches. But isn't that unusual? And she had red hair. Oh, she, it's amazing how much she looks like Carol. Uh, next up, Harvey Corman. I super oh, remember yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> he's so well known, him. Right. Uh, another one I don't remember, Lyle Wagoner. Oh, yeah, Lyle Wagner was the the good-looking, tall, handsome man-about-town kind of thing. And in the sketches, he usually played, like, the Biff type, uh, whereas Harvey Corman was more like Joe, man-off-the-street, normal-looking, but 
but Lyle Wagner was the handsome one, and he, so when, in skits, they really played that up. And then the other one I do remember quite a bit as well is Tim Conway. Tim Conway came later in those shows. No, he wasn't originally with them. He would show up on these little guests. He would be a guest star. And then eventually, I think it, Lyle Wagner left that show, and Tim Conway must have replaced him. Yeah, I believe all that is correct. Yeah, because Tim Conway, he guest starred a bunch of times. And apparently they brought in uh, Dick Van Dyke briefly to try to replace Harvey Corman when he left the show, but he didn't stay too long because uh, he just, just wasn't, wasn't the same or whatever. It's not the same. And apparently by the end, I mean, the show, the ratings were slipping, but they moved it to a different time slot, so it had less competition and it went back up. But after 11 seasons, Burnett decided to end the show herself because she'd grown tired of the weekly grind and she felt that uh, TV was changing and that the variety format was on its way out. She called that one because, yeah, they just don't do that stuff anymore. And even the reruns, like I was saying, were repackaged as more of a smaller, more concise sketch show than, than the original. But, yeah, that's the basics of Carol Burnett. So, uh, also, I'll tell you which episodes. So, I couldn't find all the episodes, but a pretty good number. So, I just kind of went through real quick and just picked ones that I believe in these episodes something that we recognize will stand out. Like, I just scanned real quickly through and I was like, okay, I remember this, I remember this, I remember this. So these should be peppered with sketches we remember and kind of the more classic stuff or whatever. I'm quite sure Went With The Wind is in one of these because it's the most famous sketch. It has its own entry on Wikipedia. It's like one of the top all-time comedy sketches on a bunch of lists. Well, as I told you last week, when you watch Went With The Wind, you really don't have to watch Gone With The Wind. Right. Between that and The Simpsons, I got it down. (laughs) Uh, But I got Season 1, Episode 1 with Jim Neighbors, Season 4, Episode 22 with Bob Newhart, and then Season 9, Episode 11, and Season 10, Episode 12, both with Betty White just coincidentally. So uh, so those are the episodes we're going to watch. But the other thing that I figure I'll just kind of toss in here as we're watching, maybe in the middle somewhere, is uh, I don't always bring up, because we watch a lot of old shows, so I don't always bring up the eventual fate of all these people because it just gets depressing because everyone's dead. <laughs> you know? So anyway, the reason I bring that up is I'm pleased to announce Carol Burnett is alive and well and still acting. She was in Better Call Saul last year, 2022. And I didn't keep up with Better Call Saul. I think there were six seasons. I watched halfway through season three. And it's similar to Breaking Bad. Like, they're obviously good shows, but the pacing just kills me. It's, like, very artistically paced, we'll say, which to me is slow. Slow and boring. (laughs) Like, the big moments in those shows are great, but I, I just couldn't. I'm like, I just can't. I can't watch any more of this. It's hours and hours and hours. However... I just found a clip that we can watch of at the very end of the show, basically, I'll, without any spoilers for Better Call Saul, at the end of Breaking Bad, uh, Saul Goodman, his crooked lawyer, has to go into hiding. So Better Call Saul is about what happened before Breaking Bad, but there's these flash forwards, these little scenes where they show what he's doing now, where he's just in hiding. And one of these in hiding things is he befriends Carol Burnett, who lives in his neighborhood. And, uh, and yeah, it's just neat. I found this one scene that is... Because if you recall, when we did uh, sketch comedy, I picked a sketch comedy show for each decade, and the 90s one was Mr. Show with Bob and David. And better call Saul. Saul is Bob. Bob Odenkirk. And Carol Burnett is Carol Burnett. So it's these two sketch comedy actors that are in this drama now. And it's this super dramatic scene, and it's like, man, they're good at this. 
it's just interesting to see these two comedians do this dead serious scene. Yeah, well, Carol Burnett has been in a number of movies. I can't think of what they are right now, but I know she's been in a number of them because I've seen them. I just right. don't remember what they are. And she's she's a, quite a good dramatic actress, too. A very, not quite good. She's very good. She's extremely talented. Yeah, it's pretty neat. So, again, I don't know if I'll ever catch up on Better Call Saul, maybe someday. But uh, but even we'll just watch that in between, just, uh, just to get a little taste of what she's up to now. Because, like I said, that's such a nice uh, change of pace that instead of everyone's old, everyone's dead. It's like, no, she's fine. She's still great. <laughs> so, so that's cool. So here we go. Carol Burnett Show. CBS presents this program in color. And this song at the end, it's it's like a it's like a kids show from the '80s. Like all of, like a lot of those kids shows I watched would be like, you know, the gentle goodbye song. Joey does that little tug on the ear. That apparently is a like that's like saying I think it's her grandmother. She gets that little signal too because they said that she. Couldn't say her grandmother's name, so she did a little signal instead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, because it's kind of cool to have the little signal. But yeah, that would be pretty weird if she ended every episode with like, "This one's for you, Grams." <laughs> you know. <laughs> so yeah, I'd say overall, though, I'd say those definitely hold up, which is nice because when something is this famous, it's a little weird sometimes to go back and it can't live up to the legend of it, you know. But I would say overall, I mean. Again, the way we watch them, mainly just splitting it into the sketches. I thought those were really good. Yeah, and they're very they're, they're very good actors in these. Yeah, yeah, and I won't uh, won't belabor it or whatever, won't uh, dwell on it, but because it's obviously just a style of the time or whatever, and they obviously put a lot of work into all the musical numbers because they always have a premise and they have big sets and the choreography and there's always it's they don't just throw in a song, but but yeah, that stuff doesn't work for me at all it's like night and day where all the sketches i'm like these still feel really sharp and really relevant and like the the mama's family stuff with the like the kids arguing and just all the family dynamics and it's like all this clever stuff that hasn't aged at all whereas i feel like the songs not only have they aged they feel like they're from the 30s or the 40s it's like well, obviously see, when they did that zigfield follies thing that would be back to the old um stage shows that they used to have before movies and before TV and right. people would go out to the theater and that's what they would watch. That kind of little skits and songs and dance and... Yeah, so I just I feel like they, they made the right choice in syndication by, by cutting those down because they got more than enough sketches. They got 11 years mm -hmm. worth of sketches. That's plenty because, yeah, it seems like uh, especially by... Because all that stuff is so quintessentially 70s to me, like especially... <laughs> just the dance freakouts, you know, where it's like everyone who's just hippied out and gets some swirly effects and everyone just dances like they had some of those. And I kept bringing up Simpsons things because the Simpsons just constantly is, because that's obviously their era. All the Simpson writers grew up through the 60s and the 70s. So now that they, you know, at that point it was the 90s and they were like, what the hell was that? Why was everyone always dancing on TV all the time? What the heck? <laughs> so, so they obviously relish to making fun of it but it's it's surprising how 
it really just is that. It's like the joke version of it is the same as the real version of it. It's like, let's just get all the hip, cool young kids to come in and do a dance. <laughs> really weird. But yeah, the sketch stuff was all good. Very, very good. Oh, I should say too, I guess those uh, episodes I picked out, one of them had a Gone with the Wind sketch, but it wasn't the famous one. But that's on YouTube. So we just watched that separately, the Went with the Wind. And it's got like a million and a half views or whatever. So yeah, I'd say like the uh, the Carol Burnett thing, it's still, you know, obviously in, in the public consciousness or whatever it hasn't really faded and yeah no it holds up it, yeah it, it holds up because it's well it's well written um and it's well acted yeah and again even though like i was saying obviously the uh the singing and the dancing didn't work for me but it is impressive just like i'm sure if you asked brad pitt to sing and dance it's not going to go so well you know like or keanu reeves or whoever like people are a little more specialized these days you do one or you do the other never know those guys may be able to dance and sing too but yeah but it's not uh it's not a requirement anymore where it feels like back then was there anyone who couldn't do this stuff (laughs) it seems like you had to just was part of the job but that's interesting too of just the uh the idea that if you get hired because you got a good got some pipes on you and you can do the singing and like that uh that scene we watched from better call saul where both bob odenkirk and carol burnett are both became famous for being comedians but that scene was dead serious of like oh man is he gonna strangle carol burnett what the hell is this so maybe uh if you can pull off the other stuff maybe comedy's not that hard in a weird way like maybe that's the one that but i'm also impressed by that just that all these sketches were live and i was telling you how i read that they apparently did two sets of tapings i guess just as just in case just to make sure they got it but even just right away like the very first sketch we watched where it was just uh What's his name? Jim Neighbors and uh, Carol Burnett just, you know, it's a pretty dumb premise, but they're just accident prone people at a ski lodge who one's got a broken arm, one of them's got a broken leg. But everything was like you had to time all the movements because I got to hit my cast on your arm and you got to do this. And now I got to spill this on you. Like very difficult, I think. Yeah, to probably... well, sometimes I think the being a comedian is probably more difficult than being an actor. Yeah, maybe I'm looking at it backwards. Yeah, because you if your timing is not right on with comedy you blow it. It's like uh, when you see clowns at a circus that are kind of bumbling and around and everybody thinks that, oh, they're just bumbling around and they're not eating good. But actually, if you watch them really carefully, their act is, is a lot harder because they've got to know all those kind of bumbling steps and how to recover from those bumbling steps. Those aren't accidents that they do that. They are trained at doing like acrobatic moves and reacting to the crowd and knowing when to well their timing has to be right on it's the same thing so although it looks like it's easy it probably isn't it's probably really really hard because you've got to have everything timed perfectly it's amazing too how much of comedy really who just comes down to the deadpan there's something just so funny about a person being funny and not reacting to it because there were some people cracking and trying not to crack up but the one who never did what was her name vicky lawrence vicky lawrence wow that that chick was like the iron curtain she was never gonna laugh i wonder if she ever cracked up once in the whole show i don't know <laughs> but it made her so funny because it's just like man like she is a rock she's not gonna be the one that is gonna mess this scene up you know where no offense to harvey corman but he was easily the one who was having the hardest time holding it together there's uh they there's certain specials that they show on carol burnett that i've seen it's 
years come and go. And and one of them is they show a little little part throughout the years where Harvey Corman has cracked right up. And it's not just with uh, Tim Conway, but it's mostly with him. Right. But there's other scenes too. And there's once every once in a while they show they show them where uh, and there's very very few of these ones where Carol breaks up and she she doesn't break up like Harvey Corman does, but you can just tell by the way she lowers her head and she keeps her head down for the longest while, and you know that she's she's laughing. Or every once in a while you'll see her shoulders kind of shake a little bit, and and that's she's she's cracking up a little bit. But it's very rare for her, too. But, yeah, the, I think it's harder, probably, to, to do comedic acting that's really, really good than it is straight acting. And also, again, I just the, the live aspect, because that's also pretty rare. We just don't really do that anymore. Like, we still have comedy shows, but it's generally pre-recorded. So even that, that idea of... Uh, well, I always hear pro wrestlers say that, that whenever they're in a movie... They're like, wow, this was kind of easy. Like I just sat in my, whether or not they're good actors, who can say from wrestler to wrestler. But, uh, but they're like, wow, we just sat in a trailer all day. And then I had, like, they let me do the lines like 13 times. So of course they were great. Eventually, you know, where when you're in front of a live camera, you just got to do it. And if you mess it up, nerdy wrestling fans are going to remember forever and they'll always make fun of you <laughs> so it's like way higher pressure yeah and see when you're doing live too you have to be able to ad lib and you have to be able to recover real quick yeah I like if actually... somebody's forgotten their lines and you've got to fill in for them you've got to come up with something like right on the spot yeah that's one thing actually i noticed with harvey corman a lot is i was very impressed with all the little the little ways he would smooth things out like just even in that final little musical number because I was it's pretty I was pretty harsh about skipping all the music, but I let the last one roll because I knew we were at the end. There was like a microphone problem, and you could hear the feedback, like just that high pitched ringing. And he just as he's singing, he just like puts his little finger in his ear, like ah, like as if that hurt his ears, you know. And just that little way of like, yeah, we had a technical error. Don't worry about it. Like it's better than pretending it didn't happen. But you don't want to stop, so you got to do both. You just got to keep going. And yeah, it's a uh, it's good. Just very impressive. And yeah, and again, I'm just, uh, not to be morbid about it, but I was just so pleased to see that she was in Better Call Saul last year. And, you know, we watched the clip and it's like, ah, oh, nice. Because, yeah, you just never know. Like, sometimes everyone's dead. <laughs> so, <laughs> shouldn't end on that note. What else can we say to end? <laughs> That's too... Excellent That's viewing. Yeah. I mean, when they can take something like Gone with the Wind and capsulize it in, what, 20 minutes? That movie, the original movie, is three three hours long, I think. Right. And they've they've put it into twenty minutes. And I mean, she's a perfect Scarlet, Starlet, and Brashley, and the way they just fooled around with the names too. And of course, it's priceless. Everybody knows that scene where she comes down the staircase, and I just saw it in the window. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that where she just yeah makes the dress she out makes of the, the dress. She's left the curtain rod in, <laughs> yeah. so she's got these nice big shoulders. Yeah, that was nice, too, because even though, I mean, I sort of picked those, but really just because, uh, you know, I was just looking for, okay, episode one, and I just saw, okay, Gone with the Wind, I'll grab that one, and a couple Mama's families, so I'll grab those. But pretty much at random, and they were good. Like, you know, where a lot of times with these shows that we watch, I sometimes wonder, like, did I pick the wrong one? You know, because sometimes you just pick random episodes, and they're just not funny, and I feel like we're not fair sometimes to shows, because we just had a, we got them on an off week. 
but I feel like they probably didn't have a lot of off weeks in Carol Burnett. No. It seemed like a pretty tight I mean, ship. And, and the the other classic I mentioned last week that she did, they, they did the take on Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> it's fabulous. Um, Harvey Corman as Max in that is just amazing. And Carol is good, too. She's wearing these these eyes. Her, she has these big eyes, makeup on, that like, like the old... Gloria Swanson, I think, is the actor that's in Sun- the actress that's in Sunset Boulevard, but uh, they pull that off too. It's it's almost as good as Gone with the Wind. Nice.